Advent, reading familiar passages of Scripture, heralding the coming of the Messiah, the Bible tells us two remarkable births took place. One was natural, and one was supernatural. The natural birth was that of John the Baptist, though there was miracle involved in that as well. Zechariah and Elizabeth were well advanced in years and had had no children, and they were unlikely to have a child. And yet Gabriel came with a message from God to Zechariah and told him that he and his wife were going to have a, chil a child, a child who would be the one who would prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. So, although there was miracle in this, just in the same way as there was miracle in Abraham and Sarah having Isaac in their old age, nevertheless, it was still a natural conception and a natural birth. But the second baby born in the story of uh, as Advent comes to its climax is, is entirely different, because uh, when we get to the story of Jesus' birth, Gabriel tells Mary that she, a virgin, is going to have a child. The Christmas story about the birth of Jesus is centered on an astonishing miracle. Rather than being conserved by this conceived by the seed of man uniting with the egg of a woman, Jesus was conceived by the divine intervention of the Holy Spirit. As the Apostles' Creed, one of the great creeds of the church, an ancient creed, puts it, I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. We call this miracle the virgin birth. It's the foundation of all that Christmas is about. In fact, it encapsulates the whole gospel, because we recognize that through this virgin birth, the child that was born and who grew up, this Jesus is both God and man. He is God's divine bridgehead into human life. This amazing truth was foretold about the Messiah by the prophet Isaiah some 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Isaiah 7.14 says, "'The Lord Himself will choose the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. So, come, we, come with me this morning as we take a look at this very special person God chose to be His human instrument in the profound miracle that we call the virgin birth, the miracle that's at the very heart of God's redemptive plan and purpose. Now, let's say just as we begin this, that as evangelicals, we need to be careful that we don't have a negative reaction towards Mary just because some Christians in their enthusiasm have gone beyond the clear teaching of Scripture and say that Mary was immaculately conceived and sinless. Mary was as human 
and as sinful as we are. And yet, the Scriptures show us that she must have been quite a remarkable person for God to choose her to be the earthly mother of His one and only Son. Leonard Griffiths describes her as, I quote, the best supporting character in the greatest drama ever played on the stage of history, the drama of which Jesus was the star. So, throughout the whole story, we see that Mary was the Lord's special servant. She was, first of all, a woman who was specially favored. Looking at Mary's circumstances, she was a teenager, perhaps as young as 15 years of age, growing up in relative poverty in an ordinary family in an ordinary village. There was nothing that marked her out as being particularly special in the eyes of the world. Now, when we think of this, the, the conception and birth of John the Baptist, we're told in Luke 1.6 that Zechariah and Elizabeth, his, mother's, his mother and father, were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. Of course, their righteousness had been formed over many long years of studying the Scripture and serving God, but nothing like that is said of Mary. After all, life was just beginning for her. And yet enough is said by Gabriel to show that God saw something in Mary that others couldn't see. For sure, God saw the same kind of sin in Mary's life that's common to us all. As Paul reminds us in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, and that included Mary. All fall short of God's glorious standards, that included Mary. But God saw something beyond that sinful nature in Mary's heart and life that caused the smile of His favor to rest on her. God choosing Mary shows us that in sheer grace, He can graciously set His special favor on any one of us and call us to do a special task for Him. She was a woman who was specially favored because, first of all, she was morally pure. Luke 1.26, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Now, the Bible underscores the fact that Mary had not engaged in premarital sex, but had maintained her moral purity. Now, this was expected and upheld by the religious teaching of her faith and the social norms of the time. But it would be foolish to think that the temptation to take a different course was not present at that time. Nazareth, when she, where she was growing up, was situated on a well-trodden trade route where all kinds of influences from the pagan world would have been present. But she kept herself morally pure. <coughs> In our day, society has embraced a very different attitude towards sexual behavior. It's very common today for people to engage in sexual activity before marriage. There doesn't seem any longer to be an expectation that marriage partners should be morally pure. But although society has changed the norms 
of the behavior it considers acceptable, God and the Scriptures have not. Society is paying a heavy price for its change of attitude. STDs among young people are common and increasing all the time. The bond of mutual trust that is intended to cement relationships is being steadily eroded because of present-day sexual norms. Marriage is being undermined as people choose instead to live together may appear to be a more convenient option, but it's fraught with all kinds of dangers that can create insecurities and uncertainties about the future. Maintaining sexual purity may appear to be an unfashionable option today, but God's instructions for our daily lives are always the best option on which to make our lifestyle choices. Moral purity matters to God, and in reality, it also matters to others. So, she was specially favored because she was morally pure, but also the Bible shows us that she was socially secure. Everything seemed set fair for a wonderful future for Mary. She was engaged to be married to a young man called Joseph. In those days when marriage arrangements were critical for a girl's future well-being, Mary's future was secure. She would have known exactly the kind of life that was mapped out for her, and she would have been very happy and content with that. It would have been everything that she'd ever dreamed of. There were two stages in the Jewish marriage custom. The betrothal period, or kedushin, lasted for one year, and this betrothal was as binding as marriage, and it required a formal divorce to dissolve it if either of the couple violated their vows. At the stage when Gabriel encounters Mary, she had already embarked on this first stage of the marriage process. During that time, she would stay with her parents in the family home, and the relationship between husband and wife, they would be recognized as being that legally, uh, would remain unconsummated. But at the end of the year, the wedding, or the hoopah, took place. It was a seven-day period of celebration. If you think weddings are a huge event in our in our society, it's nothing in compare, com comparison to what it was like in Jewish society. Seven days of celebration that began with the bridegroom coming to take the bride, to collect the bride from her family home and take her to their new home. But then the message that turned Mary's world upside down hit her with unimaginable force. Gabriel came and told her she was specially favored, and she would become supernaturally pregnant. It was a message that threatened to destroy her future. I wonder what our response to God is when He calls us to step out on a course that undermines or threatens our secure future. I wonder how many have turned down God's call, whether it be to 
ministry of the Word or to service on the mission field because they would have to leave behind such things as family responsibilities, financial security, a successful career. She was morally pure. She was socially secure, but that was threatened by the message Gabriel brought. But the Scripture shows us also she was spiritually mature. It must have been a bombshell of a message to Mary. When the news got out about her pregnancy, who would believe her story about an angelic visitor and his surprising message from God? She didn't know how her family would react. She didn't know how Joseph would react. She didn't know how her friends that she'd grown up with would react, how the neighbors amongst whom she had grown uh, and who'd watched her grow up would react. But I, I think she would have a good idea of what their reaction would be. She knew that this message and this event that was about to unfold would rob her of her reputation, and that she would live out the rest of her life with the shadow of moral impropriety hanging over her. And yet her response speaks of a depth of spiritual maturity far beyond her physical years. I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to accept what He wants. That tells us, secondly, that Mary was a woman who was spiritually submissive. She was spiritually submissive because she had a servant heart. Her response to Gabriel, I am the Lord's servant. In the beautiful song she later wrote called The Magnificat, she says in Luke 1, 47 to 48, Oh, how I praise the Lord! How I rejoice in God my Savior! For He took notice of His lowly servant girl, and now generation after generation will call me blessed. Mary could have rebelled against God's will. She could have accused Him of being unreasonable or insensitive. She could have resented the inevitable consequences that embracing God's will would bring to her life. But instead, she saw herself as God's humble servant. I wonder, do we see ourselves in that way, as God's humble servant? Are we submissive to Him? Or do we think that God owes us an easy, pain-free trouble-free life. She had a servant heart. Secondly, she had a submissive will. She asked Gabriel, how could it possibly be that she could conceive when she had maintained her moral purity? How can I have a baby? I am a virgin. It was a very reasonable question to ask. Gabriel's answer was hardly a rational explanation. It must have raised even more questions in her mind. <laughs> Gabriel reminds me of the politician that's put in the spot with the awkward question and who fumbles around to try and find some kind of uh, answer that, that, that makes sense. 
And so Gabriel goes off into the depths of theology, and he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born to you will be holy and will be called the Son of God. What on earth would Mary make of that? I don't know. But as Gabriel then goes on to speak about Elizabeth's pregnancy, her cousin Elizabeth, that was explanation enough to satisfy her that God could do whatever He chose to do. And as Gabriel brought his response back to Mary, it climaxed in these wonderful words, for nothing is impossible with God. And it's that conviction that enables Mary to say, I am willing to accept whatever He wants. Would we have such a strong faith, I wonder, in God, were we to be confronted with a challenge as big as Mary was? I am willing, Lord, to be just exactly what you want me to be. She had a a servant heart and a submissive will, and thirdly and finally, she had a courageous spirit. She said to Gabriel, may everything you have said come true. What amazing courage this young girl shows as she moves forward into a future that was now uncharted territory for her. With courage, she says in that song, The Magnificat, to to Elizabeth in Luke 1, 49, for He, the Mighty One, is holy, and He has done great things for me. But she would not be surprised when just over nine months later, as she and Joseph present their infant son Jesus in the temple, old Simeon would take the baby in his arms and would say to Mary in Luke chapter 2, verse 34, this child will be rejected by many in Israel, and it will be their undoing, but he will be the greatest joy to many others. Thus, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Yes, Jesus will be the greatest joy to many who will recognize Him for who He is, God's Son, our Savior. But Mary, a sword will pierce your very soul. Mary needed to be courageous because there is often pain involved in saying yes to God's will for your life. What a remarkable young woman Mary was. What an inspiration she is to us this second Sunday of Advent. A woman specially favored by God because she lived her life in moral purity, 
And because she was spiritually mature way beyond her years, because she was spiritually submissive and displayed a servant heart and a submissive will and a courageous spirit to say, I am willing to accept what he wants. Is that the kind of heart that God finds in us this morning? Servant, submissive, willing to be what exactly He wants us to be and to do exactly what He wants us to do. Now let's sing together our final